All right, welcome to the first ever episode of the Come Drum Drummer podcast. Uh, I'm I'm your host Luke Freeman, and uh, our other host here is Grayson Newland, and uh, he's the uh, he's the owner of the Drums for Sale page, and I have Luke's Drum Loop, both are reselling pages, and we're just here trying to uh, grow the drum family and just grow the brand, and you know have some fun along the way. So, uh, Grayson, can you tell us what this podcast is? So. The Humdrum Drummer Podcast is meant to be um, a podcast for the everyday drummer. The drummers that aren't on tour 24-7, that aren't, um, you know, practicing eight hours a day at Berkeley, that aren't living the professional drummer life. I think we have enough drummers um, or enough podcasts about that style of um, drumming and that lifestyle of drumming. But this is meant to be for the 95% of us that are church drummers, that are married, that have kids, that are in college, that just have the everyday desire to play, but may not always have the opportunity um, or the situation. Um, how, how we continue to play, how we learn, how we grow, and uh, just being a normal drummer. So, uh, so Grayson started his page, and it's called Drums for Sale. It has like 12,000 followers. And he obviously started off as a drums for sale page, and uh, I followed around five hundred ish followers. So I was—I mean, I was pretty early on. And uh, he posted one time on a story. He's like, "Hey, I'm making a group chat about about drumming. You know, who wants to who wants to be in it? Who wants to talk?" And uh, I mean, there were like three total group chats, but uh, the first one was really how we met. And um, at the time, you know, I was playing a Pearl Road show. Like, I was probably 16 17 years old and uh, just kind of early to my drum stuff but I just I mean I just wanted to see what everyone was about and um, I mean all in all like it was, it was fun but we really have this third one and it's, it started to you know really last we've been around for two and a half almost three years and uh, we've all become you know pretty good friends but it turns out Grayson lives like 90 miles away from me so I mean we've we've met up and we've sold stuff to each other and I mean we've just over the years have become, uh, you know, pretty decent friends in the, in the drum world. And, uh, he inspired me to, um, to start my own page and just, you know, he's kind of taking me under his wing. All in all, we've, we've just, you know, had our fun and started it all off. So, um, I mean, so a little bit about ourselves. I'm, uh, I'm 19 years old. I, uh, I'm in a nice college study lounge here. So if someone walks in and is talking, it's, uh, I mean, I can't avoid that. But this podcast is going to be, you know, it's going to be pretty natural. So we're going to try not to, uh, you know, edit anything out really, unless it's just, you know, stupid. But uh, we're going to have fun, and it's going to be, it's going to be good. But anyway, I'm at college, and I'm in a college dorm, so I have to deal with the everyday struggle of of assignments and all that stuff, and uh, how to practice throughout all of this with uh, noise complaints and me and the RA sharing a wall. And uh, I mean, Grayson has a little bit of a different life though. He's he's a little bit older than me, and uh, if you like to tell your Tell the audience here about yourself, Grayson. Oh, man, my thing was muted. So I've been a, a church drummer for about 17 years. Um, I'm 29. I'm just a career guy. Um, I run a business. Um, I was an engineer for uh, nine years. I got involved in uh, CAD and design engineering when I was um, about 15. Um, I went to trade school, won some competitions or whatever, decided to do that for um for a career, <clears throat> so I was on my first patent at I think 23, um, and you know since then I've gotten to work with some cool people in the drum space, um, doing CAD and engineering work, um, even doing some fun things for videos uh, for R David R, um, and work I've worked with Low Boy with Love Custom Drums, um, quite a few others. Case Base, I designed something that went on a uh, on a uh, a bass drum for Questlove, so that was cool. He just won a Grammy um, this weekend, so that was pretty cool. But anyway, so I'm married, um, own a house, run a business, and I work every day. And uh, reselling drums and playing um, is kind of a, a, a side a side hustle, but primarily I'm just a just a worship drummer, trying to trying to be better than I was last week. Well, I mean that's the life, right? Just uh, be better than we were last week. Um, I mean, I'm actually going home this weekend because we have a youth conference, um, so I'll be playing at that, like the worship style type stuff. 
but I'm also in a band, uh, and we, uh, I mean, we try to gig and stuff and make some money, but we're really, I mean, we're on that grind, but like I said, with college and half the people having jobs or like full-time actual required jobs, you know, it, uh, it gets, it gets tough to balance. But, um, so my, uh, I guess my drum resume is I've been in a band for two years and I just, I play some stuff for church off and on. Um, so our first, like our first main topic ever for a podcast is going to be on the topic of reselling gears, like not gears, reselling gear. So like, uh, snare symbols, yeah, not <laughs> mechanical gears. Yeah. The stuff, the stuff in the uh, physics lab. No, um, but we're going to be reselling gear. And, uh, a lot of people ask us, or I know a lot of people have asked me, I'm sure they've asked you, how do you like ship gear? So I mean, what do you? I mean, what do you do for boxes for packing? What do, What do you do? What's your What's your What's your thing here? That's a That's a good question. Um, and so, um, just a little plug for the drums for sale page here. Um, I, I'm always trying to help people out. Um, my approach with the drums for sale page is really to be, um, you know, as communicative and open with people and help people as much as possible. Um, one of the rules we have on the page. And so there's tons of people who will message the page and say, oh, I don't know how to ship, man. And so I put together a couple little things for shipping, but ultimately it's not near as daunting or um, as scary as it seems. I mean, I remember shipping my first couple sets, snares, symbols, and you just really, you're concerned, is it gonna get broken? Um, you know, and, and let me put your mind at ease. Luke and I both shipped tons of drums. I think I've probably shipped over a hundred drum sets by now. Um, and drum stores do this every single day. Guitar Center does it every single day. If they can do it, you can do it. It's really not that difficult. Um, so for me, what I do is for bass drums, I find myself a uh, 24 by 24 by 24 box. You can get those at, uh, I believe, U-Haul, but primarily I get those boxes from Home Depot. They're called a wardrobe box. They're about 10 to $12 a piece, so they're a little expensive, but I build that cost into the shipping. So that's how I get um, a base drum fit. That said, I don't really ship anything 24 inches or over because then it gets a little bit more custom and it's a little bit more difficult. But base drums are going to be the most difficult things. Uh, you're going to have to ship cymbals, snares, they're pretty easy. So you get you a, a base drum box that's 24 by 24 by 24. You can either nest drums inside of it. Um, I don't usually do that just because I don't want to um, even leave the opportunity for, um, for any issues. But typically what I do is I'll uh, maybe put like a 10-inch tom inside of it, inside of the bass drum. And I just put a ton of cardboard, a ton of bubble wrap. Make sure you never ship with the hoops in place. Make sure the hoops are... Um, when I say in place, I mean make sure they're not lugged down and, or tension rotted down and all that. Make sure they're taken off. That's going to be the first thing that's going to break because if UPS or FedEx throws your box, all that weight's going to land on the hoop and it's going to break. So I've learned that the hard way. One of the first drum sets I shipped, I had a broken hoop that I had to replace. So um, put the hoops on, um, make sure they're beneath the bearing edge of the bass drum. Um, so they're not going to uh, crack. Then make sure you have a ton of cardboard or bubble wrap on the very bottom because you want to protect those bearing edges and you don't want chips. Um, make sure you put cardboard um, bubble wrap around the bass drum, especially around if there's a tom mount, lugs, uh, spurs. I a lot of times will take those things off um, and put them, wrap them in pieces of newspaper and put them inside of bags or something just so they're not moving around. Um, some places will nest every single drum. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. You, yeah, and you can do it. You can do it. Um, and I'm not saying that that's a bad way to do it. For me personally, I would rather spend another $25 to ship another box than to run the risk. That's just me personally. Um, I've shipped seven-piece collector sets from, I live in Indiana, all the way to California. I've probably shipped five or six that way. I've shipped them to Florida, Texas, New York. I'm usually going to ship a seven piece in three different boxes. Um, I'm going to ship in the big bass drum box. Then I'm going to get an 18 by 18 um, by 18 box that I'll put my 
16 inch floor tom in and maybe the eight inch and then i'll get another one that i'll put um a snare and a 12 inch tom in or whatever and i'll kind of do it um that way but i would say without going too 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 deep into the details the main thing with shipping sets is you you do not want somebody to open the box and think it be like man this is sketchy because they're going to want to return it they're going to leave you a bad review if you're listing on reverb or, or ebay or marketplace you don't want that you want somebody to open the box and go dang they really shipped this thing as good as possible that's what you want so you want to get free boxes from the post office um, you can go online create a profile to send you a bunch of boxes for free i sometimes cut those up and use them as a sacrificial material um, by bubble wrap and bolt by tape and bolt you can even get those off of ebay um, ebay actually is surprisingly cheap for um, packaging material and then that's going to be the easiest way for me to ship a set um, for snares generally a 16 by 16 um, box that's going to be by 16 um, and I'm going to cut down the edges, you know, if the drum is only going to sit six inches tall in the box. I'm going to cut down the edges so there's not excess. Um, you don't want that drum moving around too much. Same thing with cymbals. I went through on eBay and I bought myself 15 by 15 by four boxes, um, 20 by 20 by four boxes, 22 by 22 by four boxes, and 24 by 24 by four boxes. So I can fit up to 23 inch cymbals in the 24 box, so on and so forth. Um, right. Cardboard, bubble wrap, all that. So that's my spiel. On to you, Luke. See, I, uh, I kind of lucked out. Um, we had a Uline store for like the longest time, but it just closed. And I came back for Christmas break and it was closed, which, you know, that was that was not the move. But um, at the Uline store, you know, Uline has any si like any sort or size of boxes. So we had, um, had all sorts of boxes. I got them there for pretty good price if you order in bulk you can get them for like they give me a 15 or 20 percent off i don't remember what it was but that was easy i didn't have to get them shipped in from anywhere i just had them there and i could i could uh, have the size i need for anything and really save money on 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 packaging material or or shipping so i mean that was pretty good you were talking about sketch shipping i've had some super sketch stuff sent to me because i'm, I'm operating out of a college dorm right if i'm if i'm buying and selling i mean i can i only have what uh what can really be sent to me because how many drums are in the, the retirement community of Murray, Kentucky, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, I, I do my best to, uh, just pretty much clean them up and, and reship them out of my dorm. But yeah, I mean, if it's sketch, people are going to question it. And I mean, I've, I mean, I've kind of pushed the limits sometimes in terms of, uh, in terms of shipping, but really, I mean, the most I would do would be a three-piece kit in one of those wardrobe boxes you were talking about, or at a U-Haul yeah. they have a they have a twenty-four, twenty-four, uh, twenty. So I just I just go ahead and fold the edges down and just cardboard and bubble wrap it up, and um, I mean that's it, it's pretty simple, pretty easy. Um, I mean it works out pretty well. But um, so I mean in terms of reselling, where do you uh, where do you usually find your gear? Where do you usually find the stuff that you resell? <clears throat> That's a good question. So, and this is something uh, you listeners will get a, a little bit of a different perspective on because Luke is a little different than me and I'm a little different than him in terms of how we do, um, in terms of how we do reselling. So I think every drummer knows, um, Craigslist used to, or every reseller knows, Craigslist used to be the move. Um, and that is going to depend on geographical location. For us um, here, I'm just north of Louisville. I'm not in a very big musician area. I'm not in Nashville. I'm not in um, LA, San Diego, Houston. I'm not in a very big, uh, or Chicago. I'm not in a very big music community. So there's not a massive amount of um, gear being bought or sold locally, which is why, going back to the previous point, which is why for me as a reseller to make any kind of money, I have to be willing to ship stuff because there's such a very low um, buying market in my region. I mean, I do sell stuff, but um, most of what I sell is going to be going to be shipped, which is why I created drums for sale. So we don't have the same 20% fees as Reverb and eBay. Again, another little club, but that's what it is. Um, so locally, I'm buying mostly off of Marketplace now. So Marketplace kind of took over um, after Craigslist kind of started dying, at least in my region. I've heard that in other places it still works really well. 
most of the time if I'm finding something on Craigslist, it's an old head who doesn't really deal with technology. And you try calling them and they say no calls after 6 p.m. or something goofy. It's just hard for me. Um, OfferUp doesn't work around here. I think the last drum listed on the OfferUp in my area was like six months ago. Um, but to that point, OfferUp, I think, is really big out in California and some other areas. We've got some friends out there that I know do super well off of OfferUp. Um, so Marketplace is my main place. Um, and really, I keep my search radius set to 100 miles out, and because that's the most usable one we found. Um, and then I'll actually move my location around. So sometimes I'm willing to drive 300 miles, which is a good deal. So marketplace mostly for me. I'm always looking for misspelled words. Um, some of my best finds have come from people who can't spell the word drum or symbol, or that you know they they're just not familiar with drum stuff, so they spell it wrong. Um, I mean, I bought some really good stuff. I bought a and we're going to talk about this in a minute, but um, I've got an incredible kit for an incredible deal. Um, both Luke and I were both actually trying to get this deal, but they had spelled the they had spelled the word wrong. And you got to be willing to look for those words that they may have spelled wrong, so you can find the good stuff. Yeah, that uh, that was that was, yeah. I, you we'll we'll talk about that one more, but uh, in terms of me for for finding gear, I mean. You're talking about how Craigslist is kind of on the way out. That's 100% true. But oddly enough, my best finds have been on Craigslist. I uh, I drove all the way to Cincinnati, which is a four-hour drive from uh, from my house. Um, I went all the way out there for a uh, a uh, Yamaha recording custom like concert tom kit. Like it looked like the Phil Collins thing. You got the you got I think it was like five concert toms and an 18-inch floor tom, 24-inch kick, the whole nine yards. It was just it was just crazy. And the car, the guitarist who was selling it, which I mean that's that's usually a good sign if it's a guitarist selling it. Um, he was selling it for uh, a solid uh, three hundred twenty-five dollars. So I picked that up, and that's uh, that's probably one of my best finds. But um, I uh, I mean I flipped it and it was I made I made a decent amount of money on it. But I mean you 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 got to type in like the wrong spelled stuff like snare like S N A I R or like uh, symbols like like S Y M B O L S not how they actually sound you know so i mean you have to be willing to uh to kind of search all around but i mean don't be afraid to uh i mean i'll even like try to deal hunt on ebay and just like check the uh whenever listings are ending like the auction ones typically i'll go to auction and see which ones are ending soonest and uh just try to see if there's anything on there i uh i I mean i found some pretty good stuff but also if you're really feeling you know kind of out there in terms of wanting to get a stellar deal uh, I'll, uh, I'll put my Craigslist or my, mostly my marketplace. Cause I don't use Craigslist a whole lot. Like he was saying, it's on the way out, but I'll put my marketplace on, uh, Nashville and like the surrounding 7,500 miles or whatever on it. And I'll just like see what's out there. Cause studios are closing all the time. Like gears, gears just everywhere down there. And so I'll try to text him like, Hey, are you guys, you know, like any chance you'd be willing to ship, you know? So, I mean, just, just the whole nine yards for that. But, uh, I mean, See, through- I, 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 for a little perspective, I don't usually, you know, I'm a little different from Luke in that way. I don't really do anything reselling-wise that's getting shipped to me. I'm not sure I've ever picked up something to resell that I had shipped to me. Um, one, because I don't generally trust people when they're shipping. Two, um, I like to be able to see it in person. Three, I like to make sure I'm not trying to get to you. But um, that's me personally. That Obviously, Luke has done very well doing that. Well, and see, it, it works for you because, I mean, you said you're in Louisville. I mean, I live in Evansville. Like, Evansville is a probably an 18th of the population out there, and it's just, I mean, there's not a whole lot. I don't do a whole lot of local stuff because there's not a whole lot of people who are locally buying or selling. So I kind of have to, I mean, most things I do, I usually drive for, or, I mean, a lot of stuff will be intermediate-type kits. Like, well, I have sold a bunch of uh, stage customs and a bunch of Gretsch Catalinas just because, I mean, that's just what, that's just, you know, it's, it's what around and, and um, that's what's around. But I mean, for symbols and stuff, I'll have those ships, snares and stuff. I'll have those ship, but I really have not got a whole lot of kits outside of dang near driving to Nashville. I, uh, I mean, my current kit is a Sonar SQ2 and I got that with the Humesenberg hard cases from a guy who had to kind of liquidate everything down in Nashville. And I got that medium birch 12, 13, 16, 22 for, uh, 
1900 bucks with hard cases and just that's just because he was i mean he was he had to liquidate and he was moving to georgia but you know i've met i met a lot of really good people though throughout all this no one really like i mean not anybody super famous but i've been able to like hand out our band's business cards and all that stuff i mean i do do a little bit of local stuff but um i've met this dude who uh he was like making like metal stuff and he's it sounds it's kind of hard to explain, but he's uh, Nashville drum show is a thing now, like as of last year. But he's gonna have a booth down there, and he's making this like pearl icon rack, but it's gonna be like flames, and it's like all sheet metal and stuff. It looks really cool. I can't really can't really describe it very well, but I've just met a lot of super interesting people. I don't know if you've really met anybody cool, but I've uh, I've been able to uh, talk to a decent amount of people and really set up a, a decent network of people who are consistently buying and selling stuff, like people who go through gear, and I'll be able to talk to them again. Like I have a friend named RJ in South Carolina, and he, I mean, he goes through gear like, I mean, like I wash socks, you know. <laughs> you know, he's, there's just certain people that just aren't content with what, they, what they're playing or are always searching for a new sound. Or, you know, notably Grayson would probably say that. I'm that guy. But, um, I mean, have you, met, have you met anybody really notable, Grayson, throughout uh, all this flipping process? Because, <laughs> uh, I mean... I found a couple just cool things here and there, but um, I, I actually I'm th I've been thinking I don't actually um, I don't think I have met anybody. I mean I've met a lot of really cool local guys, um, and one really cool thing about selling local um, not only avoiding you know, taxes and fees and all that stuff, but um, being able to kind of build a local community. So I have yeah fifteen maybe 20 drummers local that will reach out to me every couple months and be like, hey, do you have any symbols? Because for me, I've kind of built my personal quote-unquote utility right. um, off of selling. Um, I like to, you know, if I can get a really good deal on something, I'm going to sell it uh, quick as opposed to waiting for, I was actually talking to somebody on the page about this earlier. Um, I personally like to kind of sell quick as opposed to wait to get the very top dollar. For instance, if I have like you know if I have a Mapex sledgehammer that I bought for 150 bucks, which I bought one last year for 130. <laughs> now they're now they're like 600 dollars. Yeah, I know, <laughs> crazy. Um, yeah. I bought one for 130 and I sold it for like 350 shipped like the next the next day. Well, I could have waited around a month to get you know at the time they weren't quite as crazy there. I could have waited around another month to get 400 or 380 but I was like, man, you know, my philosophy is like, if I can sell it, I'm making good money on it. I don't have to squeeze every dollar out of that turnip as long as I can get a decent return, which I did, and then they're, they're happy because they're getting it for a good deal. It's just a good transaction. Plus, most, more times than not, they're going to come back and buy it. And that's what I have a lot locally. And even on the page, there are got like I post my own personal stuff on the page. Um, it'll be uh, G underscore Newland. You'll see, you know, I post my own stuff on the page. I've probably sold fifteen thousand worth of stuff off the page in the last couple of years. But like, I'm constantly getting people that come back to me um, because of that. So in terms of who I've met, I haven't met a lot of like uh, anybody probably big name. But I've met a lot of really cool local guys that like it is really is really fulfilling when someone posts on like a personal somebody that you have no clue who they are. Right. The community posts and says, Hey, I'm looking for a drum set for my kid, like, you know, especially around Christmas time or whatever. Right. And then you've got two or three dudes who are like, Hey, hit up Grayson and they yeah. at you. Yeah. And they'll be like, He's he's always got good deals. Yeah, so, I've that's always fulfilling. I've uh, I've seen your name out there on a couple I've I've joined a couple of Louisville groups just you know, there's stuff out there. Maybe I beat you to it. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I mean, I have joined those groups though, and I, I see your name mentioned quite you a bit. Beat on... me to it before. <laughs> yeah, I beat, I beat you on a couple things, but you beat me on the big one, right? Um, speaking of Not that psychedelic kit you just got. Yeah, well, I I did just pick up a uh, Ludwig 19. Uh, I think it's a 71 kit, but there's all sorts of. It's you know how Ludwig was back in the time. But anyway, I, I got a I got a pretty good deal on a psychedelic kit, but. So, uh, I mean, what, what are some of the best finds that we have out here? What have you, I mean, I know one that I, uh, I was in contention for, and the seller was interesting, to say the least. 
but I mean, looking down the long run, it was it was probably better that I actually didn't get it. So uh, let's uh, yeah. How about that, Grayson? What is it? All right. So for anybody who's not familiar with our area, I think Vincennes is like thirty minutes from Luke and about an hour from me, somewhere around there. And so we both saw this guy. We're obviously always hunting on Marketplace. We're looking at it multiple times a day. We all the time. Saves. Yeah, we have keywords saved, all that stuff. So we both see this kit posted, um, and it just says drones. And it, it was 50 bucks. And what it was is this guitar player. I'll get into the story here in a second. But guitar player um, who had listed this DW... Um, early 80s, like 84, 85, I believe is what DW dated it for me, um, collector's kit that was in, it was in you know, kind of rough shape, but it had two 24-inch bass drums, 6.5 by 14-inch snare with gold hardware, 14-inch uh, rack tom, 16-inch bass drum, some cymbals, um, some whatever, uh, cymbals hardware. I think he had a first axe floor tom, and he said, man, this floor tom sounds better than the one with the flames on it. It, dude was a goofball. So anyway, <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> Luke and I both saw this thing. So I I messaged the dude and I said, hey, uh, I'll send you two hundred bucks or whatever, uh, or I'll give you two hundred bucks. Just hold it for me. Well, I didn't know this. Apparently, and Luke can tell his side in a minute, but apparently Luke, neither one of us knew that we were kind of competing against each other. I guess Luke had told him, hey, I'll give you two hundred bucks or two twenty five and. Then I had called him and I'm like, bro, I'll give you 250, hold it for me, whatever. So we're kind of bidding against each other. I call Luke, he's newer to reselling. Um, he's, you know, this was two and a half, three years ago. Oh yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it was, it was way back. You were still in high school. Um, yeah. And it's a sketchy listing. I pulled up the Google Maps, it's in a sketchy part of town. Uh, you know, you don't know if this dude's on drugs or whatever. I'm a, you know, for a little reference, I'm. 6'3", 270, I'm a very large guy, um, and Luke at the time was a 16-year-old, and not that he probably can't hold his own, I guess, but <laughs> I kind of called him, and he was, you know, upset because the guy lied to him, told him he could have it, and then when I offered more money, he called Luke back or whatever and said, uh, well, I'm going to give them to my brother, yep. but Luke already knew that I was on the way, so anyways, this whole thing, kind of sketchy, but so I show up to get this kit, and I have a uh, 2016 Nissan Maxima. It's not very large, but you'd be surprised the amount of drums I can fit in that thing. So I show up, I give him the 250. Long story short, it's a guitar player who he lives with his girlfriend. Um, his girlfriend's been uh, on him to get rid of all of his stuff that's in the basement um, that he doesn't use. Uh, I believe it was his friend's drum set who went to jail like 10 years ago, and he had just had it in his had it in his uh, basement. So he didn't really know what it was. He just knew they were heavy and big, and he wanted them out. So I paid him two fifty, um, got everything in. I ended up making like twenty two hundred dollars on that deal. I sold one of the twenty nice. fours for four hundred dollars on Reverb. Um, somebody just wanted a, a twenty four to work on. Um, I ended up stripping all the paint off of the other drums, and I re I painted them myself. And I ended up selling them. I shipped them out to a guy in Wisconsin. Um, I was going to keep the snare, but something happened. And I, was, I, I ended up selling the snare, too. But um, the snare I didn't redo. I actually left it in the flame. Thing. Oh, yeah, that nice 1980 orange, black, red flame thing. It was purple. Thing. It was deep purple, orange, and yellow. And it was, I mean, this is prime, like, this is prime DW painting. I mean, Keller Shells, but like when DW started out, they were really a hardware paint company. And this, the the snare was actually, it was pretty cool. It wasn't really my style. It was pretty sick. Play, it, was, it, was, it was pretty sick. The guy who bought it from me is in the DW uh, collector's group, and he'll post pictures of it every once in a while, which is pretty cool. Well, didn't That's the, probably my best find of all time. Didn't the guy that you sold the... Uh, the DW2 in Wisconsin, didn't he, like, relist it for, like, less money than what you sold it to him for? He did. Yeah. He did. He had bought it for me, and he told me he was going to just rewrap it or something like that. And I yeah. Like, I don't care. I mean, that's fine. And, like, the next month, I saw it on Marketplace for – he paid. I think he paid me 
1,400. He had it on there for like 1,100, didn't he? Yeah, I yeah. don't know what happened. Um, so, but he ended up selling it. It was a big hit. I mean, 24, 14 by 14, 16 by 16. Um, yeah, anyways, that was probably my the kit that I made the most money off of. See, for me, I don't know. That Yamaha I mentioned earlier, I got I made like probably 1800 bucks on it and I was that was my first like real big flip I guess um but I mean the one thing that really really raked in the dough for me was um our local shop they uh they discontinued they're pretty much discontinuing their 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 drums right and they were like selling brand new Pisces cymbals at like 50% off so what I did I didn't even buy any of them. What I did is I just posted them in there, in the shop, all clean, all nice looking. And then I posted them, listed them for sale at like 20% off brand new. And I'm like, it's mint, it's new old stock, they're trying to get it out. And I would sell it on Reverb or eBay or Facebook and then go there and buy it. Because, like I said... Did I recommend you do that? Or did you come up with that on your own? I think we talked about it. No, we definitely definitely talked talked about it. it. Because you were like, bro, sell them out to Richie. <laughs> it really makes them dough. And I was like, nah. Oh, yeah. But, um, um, yeah, but pretty much I, I only spent 2000 ish dollars uh, all in all. Because they, I mean, even one day, they, I talked to the owner and I bought, this time I actually like bought them, but I bought like 10 or 12 Sabians too. And he sold them to me for like, 60 70 percent off it was it was crazy like they're just trying to get out of it so i mean i all in all i spent probably 2500 ish bucks and i made close to six grand um after so i guess i made like you know three thousand ish plus but and then on top of that every hundred dollars you spend there you get like five or ten dollars in rewards so i've had free heads from them for like the last two years so i've just been yeah i've been i've been killing it with that one that was probably my most and that really built my name in the Piesty community because there's a couple of Facebook groups on there and they'll talk and they'll be like, hey, you know, what sellers do you recommend? And my name gets thrown out there a lot just because I sold just such a mass amount of new old stock stuff. And the Piesty fans, they're crazy. I mean, I got myself a whole brand new set of Modern Essentials there um, and I played with those for two years. And I mean, the, like I said, the, the Piesty fans are crazy. I mean, they absolutely love Piesties and Piesties only. They don't, they don't like any other brand really. And I just, I sold one guy a 24-inch 2002, uh, like, swish symbol, which is such a weird thought. And I just sold him my 22-inch Modern Essentials China, like, last week. So, I mean, that that really, that really built my credibility. And I've just resold to the same people. Like, there was this guy named Dustin I sold just a ton of stuff to. And, like, for stuff that resells, I mean, Zildjian sells fast because they're the biggest. Everyone knows Zildjian, right? My my Zildjian inventory never lasts, ever. My Pisces, you have to know how to market them. But once you find the right people, they are, they'll eat it up, 100%. That's another thing, too, y'all, is uh, Facebook groups are – so I'm all for every means of selling. Now, while we've been on this podcast, I, you know, we just sold something else for somebody on the page. So – our page is really starting to do super, super well. Um, we're selling uh, five things plus a week, maybe more, which maybe that doesn't seem like a lot compared to Reverb, but um, it's actually a lot considering it's just an Instagram. 100%. Um, but Facebook groups, man, I, I, I'm in like every drummer Facebook group that there is. And if I can list something on Marketplace, now, you know, to be fair, Marketplace tries to get get money out of you by uh, making you ship it and all that stuff and they'll kind of bury your post if you don't but I've made a lot of money on marketplace groups just like or uh, Facebook groups just like you're talking about and I actually I just pulled up I think any good flipper should understand their numbers um, so I keep a spreadsheet that I call my flipping spreadsheet and apparently I've had four deals that I made more money than that flame spit on um, I made more money on that Seven piece DW collectors that black velvet kit I had last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually got to play I that made, one. I made twenty one hundred on that one. Nice. Then I made. <laughs> I would love for somebody to message me after they listen to this podcast and ask me about the pink North drums. Um, drums oh, that I bought. 
I forgot about that. Oh my gosh. That one, that one was an interesting story. I yeah. have a little reselling tip. I have a post that I resist every single month. Um, it's just pictures of really cool drum sets I've had, and it says, we buy drums. And while we've been on this podcast, I've just had two people message me. Um, and this is all local that I put on Monty Post Drums. Right. A real estate agent contacted me about this drum set. And they were like, hey, I'm helping this lady sell her entire house and all this stuff in it. Would you be interested in this drum set? And it's a North Drums, which if you all are familiar, 70s, 80s, they're very weird looking. Google them. They're not normal drums. Yeah. John Bonham, I think John Bonham briefly played. Uh, black or white I think it was a white kid that's what he played very he very briefly some, some others did too yeah uh, they're similar to staccato kits if any if you've heard of those mm-hmm. um, anyways they came with this massive you know they wanted 800 bucks I said I'll be there in 30 minutes and so my wife and I drove over there um, and we picked up this we later on anyways we found out uh, you know it had a bunch of symbols and stuff so I had already made all my money back well I found out that this was a one of one pink custom drum set that Roger North had made and I shipped it to a guy in San Diego so yes I shipped it from Louisville to San Diego no damage um, and it was a 6 8 10 12 14 22 uh, and I shipped the rack it had a big rack that it came with that was custom um, and I shipped the rack too but um, and the guy he uh, he has like a few sonar sq2 kits and everything but he he's kind of like a drum historian Anyways, he lost somebody to cancer. So what he is going to do is, since that's a one-of-one pink Roger North kit, he's going to auction it off for Susan G. Komen for the cure um, at a local thing out there. So that's a pretty cool story. Um, So, yeah, you never know who you're going to meet or what you're going to do in drumming. I mean, most of my kits at home, I've got five kits. Most of my kits are either very, very cheaply, uh, are very cheap price for me because I've kind of flipped my way into getting them for extremely affordable prices. Right. Or I've sold other gear to pay for them. So I have a Mapex Saturn kit, a silver badge, um, six-piece kit that I have zero dollars in. I actually made money. So flipping is actually, I mean, people kind of look at it sometimes like it's a bad word um, or it's immoral or whatever. It's not. Um I've given so many symbols to churches. I've given drum sets away to kids. I've given, um, matter of fact, my church has like almost all the symbols up there. Well, yeah, almost all the symbols up there came from me buying deals locally and then flipping stuff. And then, you know, if I made my money back, just giving stuff to the church for free because we needed a new symbol or whatever. So like, it's a really good way um, and Luke has learned this, obviously he started, you know, we met each other when he was 16 or whatever, and he took on this flipping idea. And now he has these incredible kits that, and he's made a bunch of money and, um, you know, it's really, it can be really good for you. He started with a road show, a Pearl road show, and now he's rocking like multi-thousand dollar kits. Oh yeah. The good old Pearl road show. I, uh, yeah, no, um, in terms of my flipping, my flipping, uh, I guess, origin, I uh, I think, we, uh, I mean, it was a little bit before you started this group chat, but my dad saw some hardware on Facebook for 50 bucks, and he's like, Luke, you know, I think you might be able to make some money on it, and I Google the pieces in there, and I see them on Reverb, and I'm like, yeah, you know what, I think I, think I can. And, you know, at the time, I, I just bought a brand new set of Sabian B8X. Oh, man, the good stuff. From the Guitar Ooh, Center Christmas yeah. sale. Oh yeah, and uh, and you know that's I, I the good stuff. oh that's the good stuff. And I sold my uh, the hardware and I made fifty bucks. So I mean I'll have people tell me like oh yeah your Sonar Kid or your uh, your Gretsch USA man that's Daddy's money. I'm like there's no no it's Daddy's idea but no none of that was my dad's money. None of this has ever been my it's all been me hundred percent. So I mean you can work up like I was talking to Richie and uh, Richie's Drum Garage in uh, California. And he was talking to me, and he said that within, uh, like, 10 months of selling Pearl Exports, he had a DW collector's kit. I mean, and I wasn't that far behind. For me, it was 14 months, and I went from a roadshow to a DW collector's. And, I mean, I just kept kept moving and kept changing. And, you know, I've got a I've got that Sonar kit now, and I've got a Gretsch USA kit. And, you know, I've got that Ludwig 1969-71. Uh, it's like I said, we'll get, we'll get more details on it when I sell it. 
But um, I've got that psychedelic red kit, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people dream of these kits, and uh, I just, I'm really fortunate to even have the opportunity to find them or just meet the people that, you know, sold them, or, and they realize that, you know, I play them, and they realize that, you know, I've used them in my bands or whatever, but not the, not the sonar kit. I don't want to, I don't want to take that out. But, I mean, you were talking about giving stuff to churches or giving stuff to, you know, like some kids in need and stuff. Drummers, honestly, are probably one of the best overall groups of people. Like, obviously, there's always some rude people in every group. That's that's just, you can't avoid that. But drummers in general, I feel like, are a little bit more, more kind, a little more open because they're they're used to leading from behind in terms of like a musicality aspect. So a lot of the times you'll just meet some really cool people. Like I sold, I sold a snare drum to a, uh, to a guy who was, he fought in Vietnam, but what, what he did is he got in the army band and he out, he was out there and he toured with them across the world. And he said that drumming saved his life because he just straight up avoided, um, a lot of that time in Vietnam. So, I mean, just the more people you meet, the more cool stories you hear and it's just it's honestly kind of fascinating because I think drummers are different than any other instrument in terms of just being cool with each other so I mean that's uh, I mean that's what it all is but I don't really know your your drum flipping story Grayson I've only I mean I've I mean I've only known you since you've had like this Mapex kit and that that Tama kit that you have had forever um hmm. I mean I, I started off with the road show what did you start off with I started, this This probably explains why I'm mostly a Tama guy. Um, I started off with a Tama swing stuff. So I started playing when I was 12 um, and my parents didn't buy me a kit for a while because they wanted to make sure I was going to stick with it. Um, and then about eight months in, I think they bought me a Tama swing star kit. And I had that kit until I was, so I got that when I was 12. I think I traded that in when I bought a PDP kit when I was 18 and then I gave that kit to the church um so and we still have that kit at the church I mean so for anybody who's dogging PDP um PDP to me is one of the most affordable um quality built drums um especially for churches but but anyways now I have I have five kits one that I worked on with my dad that's just a it's not a great kit, but it's just one that I got for free and we stained it together and cleaned it all up and stuff. So kind of sentimental. Then I have a um, Tama Burst Babinga in molten brown burst with black nickel hardware. Then a then that Mapex Saturn silver badge um, six piece in cherry burst, um, which is burnt or uh, maple maple birch. I believe maple walnut, the maple walnut. And so I like that sound. Um, I have a seventies Ludwig stainless steel kit that I recently got for, I think I'm in it for less than 200 bucks. So that's a crazy deal, but, um, it's a 13, 16, 22. And so obviously that's a different sound. And then I have my main player kit right now, which is a, um, Tama Star Classics Maple, made in Japan, um, Marigold Sparkle kit that I just freaking love. I set it up again the other day. Um, I kind of rotate kits out a little bit down here. I set it up again the other day, and I was just playing it about an hour ago and fell back in love with it. I love that kit. It looks good. It sounds better. So I've got my Maple, Maple Walnut, Stainless Steel, and um, Birch Babinga. So I've got my bases pretty covered. And, I mean, we'll get into that, but me and you have quite a bit different, uh, I guess, sounds because you, you have a more, like, I guess, like, dirty tone and stuff like that with, like, the the more deep toms and, like, the, the trashier cymbals. But, I mean, we'll get into that probably next week in terms of, like, defining our sounds or whatever. But, um, I mean, I started drumming off. I've always tapped my, you know, tapped my hands on the desk or whatever. But I've always, I mean, I've always wanted to drum even from a little age or from a young age, and uh, probably eight years ago, my dad for Christmas got me a, uh, a Pearl Limited Edition uh, Birch Snare, which sounds super cool, but, I mean, it's I mean it's a decent snare, don't get me wrong, but it's just, I mean, it's just typical, like, Pearl. Um, but he also got, like, a really nice hardware stand for it, and the guy at Guitar Center cut him a crazy deal, and it was, I mean, it made my Christmas. I, I used that thing forever. I even, I took it on the first ever gig I went on with a band with, um, just so I could, 
you know, kind of see it through. But from then, I, I wouldn't stop tapping on that. And we got a Pearl Roadshow kit because Opus One, that good old music store, which unfortunately closed, they had a, um, they had a like a special deal for Black Friday, and we went half, you know, half, half and half on it. So I put 200-ish bucks in, and we got that that kit. But he, uh, I just, it was in the basement for so long. He, uh, he threatened to sell it one time, like four years later. He's like, you never even play it, and I was like, oh crap. And then I had to like kind of re-fall in love with drums and ever since then I've been right back on that and it's been a passion and that's that's the point of this podcast it's it's for those who have the passion but can't put seven hours a day into it it's for the humdrum dude you know um so I mean that's that's what really uh that's what really kind of defines you know reselling is I wouldn't have any of the stuff I have if I didn't put the work in and just resell to get it like most almost all the gear I have in my basement I pretty much got for free at one point. Um, so I mean, let's uh, let's talk about the future. I mean, there's we might have some special guests, you know, coming. We might have some possible play tests uh, of of gear that, and from you know, custom builders and whatnot. I've had a lot of people actually ask me as soon as I announced that we were as soon as we announced that there was a podcast. I've had a bunch of people ask me if we were going to do some gear review, and I was like, you know, it's definitely possible. But uh, I mean, our upload schedule, we're probably thinking. That we're gonna upload um, once a month ish, or not once a month, sorry, once a week um, on Monday. But we would would really like for you guys to you know tell your friends about us and just you know get this get this podcast going. Grayson, you have anything on the kind of final comments here? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, if y'all have made it this far, that's cool. Um, I appreciate it. You know, remember for us, we're we're not professional podcasters. We're not professional talkers. We're really just trying to kind of bring some life um, and bring some attention to the average drummer. I mean, no, I'm a I'm a guy. I own a house, and you know, I'm married, and I play in church, and I have a job, and and I, I can't practice as much as I used to. I wish I could. Um, I do play three services a week for church, as I'm sure a lot of you all do. Um, the goal of this podcast is to really kind of be um, a common denominator for all of us, quote unquote, humdrum guys. And so the word humdrum is like a synonym for average. So when we were looking to name the podcast, we were like, well, there's plenty of podcasts out there. Um, some of them are about gear reviews and some of them are from, uh, they have different professional guys on. Some of them are five minutes long and some of them are three hours long. We wanted to have a podcast that will resonate with you all, kind of open forum. Um, if you have any questions or topics you want to discuss or whatever, like shoot them to us either on either one of our pages or on the Humdrum Drummer podcast uh, page on Instagram. And we're going to try and just be normal dudes. We'll have, um, we might have guests on that are also normal dudes. They may not be super fancy um super padded resumes either they may just be um a guy representing living in san diego in an apartment trying to play and you have to play on an electric set or on a practice pad or whatever like we're going to try and get different perspectives of people who are average drummers just like us just in the different walk of life you know what it means to switch bands what it means to be trying to make a living um, playing if they're trying to do that um, on the side and then what it, what it's like to be guys like us now Luke's in engineering school I run a business like we we don't have a ton of time anymore um, and for me a lot of my kind of passion for drums um, of course I love to play but kind of the way I express my passion for drums now is a little different it used to be I just want to sit behind the kit and, and rip for hours and I still do that from time to time. But now for me, a lot of, a lot of the way I kind of express my passion for drums is, uh, is restoring kits, um, finding kits, kind of fixing them up and selling them or giving them away to people who need them or doing it very affordably or kind of finding diamonds in the rough um, or finding drums that have cool stories um, like that North kit. And I have a couple of Superphonics that are old, so. Anyways, our, you know, expressing our passion for the drums, how that looks different, you know, as you get older or your circumstances change or 
new new dads or new moms who can't practice as much as they used to, um, things like that. So that's kind of the goal. That's kind of the vision. Um, and again, forgive us. We're not professional podcasters. We're just normal dudes. No. Uh, we, Luke literally got the recording stuff in today. Yeah. It <laughs> we, literally came in the mail for, today. Right. We paid for the graphics like four days ago or five days ago to put up. So this is all kind of, you know, this was thought out, but also it's, it's not something we've sat on for two years discussing. This right. is something that's kind of uh, fresh and in our minds. So right, and we with us, and we'll get better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we 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 really just want to represent. Like I said, we really want to represent the community of just average Joes. You know what I mean? Um, but if you guys have any questions, we're gonna try to do a Monday mailbag type thing. Um, please email or DM. Our email is humdrumdrummerpodcast at gmail um, just send any questions or, uh, you know, if you have any concerns for whatever reason, you know, send those over. But, yeah, just feel free to DM us. And uh, thanks for listening to the first episode. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time.